diplomatic embargo against Cuba, hoping to drive Mr. Castro from power. In 2014, President Obama, the first U.S. president elected in the post-Fidel era, announced plans to restore full diplomatic relations with Havana. During a visit to Cuba in March 2016, Obama met Raul Castro but made no effort to meet his brother. Fidel Castro later delivered a speech dismissing Obama's overtures and denouncing the idea of cooperation with the United States. Tweaking the imperialists was always a passion of Mr. Castro's. He built an enormous public demonstration space, complete with stage lighting and sound, outside the U.S. diplomatic mission on the Malacan, Havana's main seaside boulevard. There, he regularly led anti-American rallies and delivered the lengthy speeches for which he was famous. He was a particular thorn to President John F. Kennedy, who approved of the clumsy Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba in April 1961 by a ragtag group of CIA-trained fighters, which became a humiliating low point of his presidency. To his benefactors in the Kremlin during the height of the Cold War, Mr. Castro was the useful commander of a communist citadel on the doorstep of the United States. That point was drawn in terrifyingly stark terms during the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962, when Mr. Castro allowed the Soviets to base on his soil missiles that could carry nuclear warheads to Washington or New York in minutes. The resulting showdown between Kennedy and Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev was the closest the world has ever come to nuclear war. Unlike many other communist leaders around the world, Mr. Castro did not create monuments to himself or lend his name to streets and buildings. Instead, he erected billboards carrying patriotic slogans of the revolution, such as, We Will Overcome, Toward Victory Always, and Motherland or Death. Under his reign, Havana eventually became something of a Marxist Disneyland, a shiny, happy veneer over something much uglier. Mr. Castro personally ordered the restoration of Old Havana, an architectural gem where tourists can savor $300 boxes of Cuban cigars, some of the world's best music, and sweet Havana Club rum, the proceeds of which went to Mr. Castro's revolution. But just a block behind the restored facades, impoverished Cubans lived in crumbling homes on rationed food. Teenage prostitutes openly offered their services to tourists. In his later years, Mr. Castro enjoyed a resurgence in popularity across much of Latin America, fueled in part by the election of several leaders inspired by his staunch anti-Americanism. In particular, President Hugo Chavez of Venezuela viewed Mr. Castro as a political beacon and father figure to the Latin American left. Sweetheart oil deals from Chavez, until his death in March 2013, were crucial to Cuba's ability to survive as its state-dominated economy sputtered. While many Cubans expressed genuine and deep loyalty to Fidel, he was never called Castro in his homeland, others clearly feared a leader who imprisoned tens of thousands of his enemies over the years, often on little more than a whim. As he aged, Mr. Castro acted more like a man intent on purifying his legacy, returning his revolution to its ideological core, reversing economic openings, and stepping up attacks on political dissent. He imprisoned Cubans whose crimes were as simple as passing out books on democracy. Many Cubans would not offer criticism of their leader for fear of being overheard by government informants who lived on practically every block. To indicate Mr. Castro, they would tug on an imaginary beard. Other residents accepted him as a simple fact of life, like the tropical humidity. What good would it do to complain? 
The most pointed condemnations came from Cubans who fled Mr. Castro's rule by the thousands every year. Those with enough money paid for speedboat trips across the Florida Straits, while the poorest attempted the dangerous trip in rickety boats. Some would-be emigres refitted Cuba's aging American-made cars and trucks, transforming them into unlikely boats. After Raul Castro assumed power, he embarked on a plan of economic liberalization that has been more symbolic than substantial. Private enterprise is permitted in a few small segments, such as food service and repair shops, but the military-led government still controls as much as 80% of the economy. Mr. Castro slowed noticeably in his final years. He had long ago given up cigars and rum, and his beard faded from thick and black to scraggly and gray. In June 2001, he appeared to faint while giving one of his weekly Saturday speeches. Then, in October 2004, he fell and broke a kneecap and an arm. Those events were the first time most...